So this concept of somebody training, which I am deriving from the American mystic Ramdas, is a metaphorical reflection on how we are shaped throughout our lives to become these somebodies, these individuals who are bound by societal expectation, cultural norms, ego-driven desires and identities. It's so that we are sort of these actors who are thrust onto the stage of life, handed scripts crafted by the generations before us and adorned in these costumes of gender, nationality, religion and societal status. We are taught to recite our lines with conviction, to conform to the roles that we are given, to chase after the applause and recognition of our others to fear the jeers and the criticisms of the audience. Every role that we play, every identity that we assume, the dutiful child, the ambitious student, the successful professional, the loving spouse, the caring parent, these are all aspects of this somebody training. They are labels that are inherently not us, yet they shape us, they mould us, they influence our thoughts, our actions, and our very perceptions of reality. But Ramdas taught that beyond this somebody training, beyond these layers of identity and expectation, there is an essence within each of us that is unadorned and unchanged, that is infinite and unbounded. And he referred to this as the nobody, the true self that is interconnected with all of existence. This is perhaps analogous to what Buddhists label as the void or the emptiness from which the fullness of life is experienced. Our journey then is not about becoming a perfect somebody, but rather an unbecoming, an unlearning, a peeling away of the layers of our training that reveal the radiant nobody within. And it's a journey from being trapped within the echo chamber of the ego to breaking free into the boundless silence of pure awareness. As we shed our somebodiness, we return to the heart, to the pure loving consciousness that is our true nature. Now, as beings who are capable of language and abstraction, we humans often fall into the trap of identifying too heavily with the narrative that we construct. Words, concepts and stories, they become proxies for our experience and we mistakenly believe these symbols to be the realities they represent. You know, this is especially relevant for our contemporary times where we increasingly engage with a digital representation of reality curated by a social media AI algorithm, for example. We increasingly experience life mediated through a digital interface where we curate social media profiles for some indefinite number of eyeballs, where likes and follows are this, this kind of digital opium. You know, platforms like Instagram become these sort of breeding grounds for the perpetuation of this somebody training. Consider, for instance, you know, the case of an individual ensnared by the allure of social media. Every snapshot of their life, every status update becomes this calculated move in an 
intricate choreography of self-presentation, their online persona, gradually solidifies into an elaborate narrative, a carefully created persona, a crafted somebody. You know, this portrayal is often far from their authentic self, but it brings validation, likes and follows the modern currency of societal recognition. But behind the polished veneer of the Instagram-worthy life, there often lies an uncomfortable truth that the individual self-worth becomes inextricably tied to the reception of their online persona. They're not just playing a role, they are judged in it, which deepens their commitment to it. And this cycle, it traps them in a, um, a never-ending performance, amplifying the voice of the ego and drowning out the whispers of the true self. So I suppose the journey towards unbecoming may begin with a radical step. It may begin with disconnecting from social media for a while. This digital detox provides a much needed reprieve from the unrelenting gaze and expectations of online audience. And in the silence and the solitude away from the prying eyes of the world, they get the opportunity to listen to their inner voice, to rediscover who they are beyond the performance, beyond the likes and shares beyond the narrative they've been building and broadcasting. As they peel back the layers of their social media identity, they may start to question, who am I when I'm not performing for an audience? Who am I when I'm not accumulating likes, comments and followers? Who am I when I'm not meeting the societal expectations my online persona perpetuates? It is really in seeking answers to these questions that they begin to break free from their somebody training and get closer to the unadorned essence of their being, the nobody that is interconnected with the entire fabric of existence. As they shed their, on, their rehearsed online persona, they inch closer to the reality of their authentic self. They move from performing life to simply living it. Language, whilst an incredible tool for communication, it can inadvertently lead to a form of dualistic thinking where we perceive the world and ourselves through the lens of categorizations and distinctions. And consequently, in the intricate dance of life, we too often privilege the dancer over the dance. We create stories about our identities, our hopes, our past and our future, forgetting that these are merely just stories. And in doing so, we unwittingly divorce ourselves from the richness of direct experience, solidifying the illusion of a separate self and reinforcing the duality between the observer and the absurd, the self and the other, the internal and the external. It is only when we pose the following question, what or who is the inner interpreter of experience, that which discerns whether a particular situation has gone well, who judges, examines and categorises it's only in the paradoxical effort of mind attempting to grasp at itself when mind recursively turns towards mind that one realises the elusiveness and ephemeral nature of the conventional self. You know, we find ourselves in a strange loop when we are attempting to locate an experiencer of experience, um, an, obser an observer of what, of what is observed. You know, the, the essence of non-duality, of not-to, is the dissolution of the apparent distinction 
between the observer and what is observed, or in other words, the boundary between the subject and the object. Whilst we may say that we have this sense of being inside a body and of looking at sensing an outside world, the entire notion of an outside world is only comprehensible with an idea of an inside, and likewise, what is an inside without an outside, an outer without an inner? You know, the, dual, the non-dual perspective recognises the mutual dependency between an inside and an outside, a self and a non-self, and consequently collapses this boundary into one indivisible whole. When the boundaries of the inner and the outer are dissolved, what is left is a single whole and an indivisible reality. We may point to this with words like God, nature, being, the Tao, or the mystery. Though, of course, these are all just pointers to something that is trans-propositional, to something that cannot be exhaustively talked about, but rather must be experienced in the eternal here and nowness of the present moment.